Welcome to Texas Franchise Radio, where your hosts, Josh Cherry and Robbie Marlowe, bring you all things franchising in the Texas market. Franchising is one of three growth strategies businesses can use to expand and capture market share. Effective when done right. But there's a lot to this dynamic business model. Learn from others in the industry as we bring on all levels of franchise operators and experts. Texas Franchise Radio. You ready? Let's go. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas Franchise Radio. Oh, you're in the business. Well, this is what you need. Repping Texas, they professionals up in the industry. What we talking about? We talking business models, investing franchises. We going full throttle. Learn about the industry. I know you got the questions. We're trying to help you grow and take it to the next level. Straight up. Franchise operators and the experts. It's time to tune in and expand your network. So let's see how it's all done and how it's operated in the local Texas market. Time to get us educated. Robbie and Josh going live. Time to hit the road. You tune in to Texas Franchise Radio. Get your business popping. Yeah, hey, welcome back, Conroe, Texas. Welcome back to Texas Franchise Radio. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, if you missed the last show, if you want to learn all about insurance and getting spoiled up on that, go back and check out the last episode where we talked in depth about how to protect all your assets with insurance in the franchise world. Uh, today, Robbie and I are super excited to bring on a very special guest. Steve, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys having me in here today. I'm, I'm already impressed by your uh, rapping skills. <laughs> I mean, I, sl- I was not expecting that as the intro, so very Man, we, good. We get more comments about the, the intro than anything else. <laughs> it's very unexpected. I mean, you know. We could b- pretty much cut out everything else, just do the intro and straight yeah. into Stump the Chomp, and I think that's all people <laughs> yeah. really want to listen to. That's good stuff. Uh, if you're not on there, check us out live on Facebook, live on YouTube. Come ask your questions live on YouTube. Ask your questions for me or Robbie or probably more importantly for Steve. We know you don't want to ask me and Robbie anything, but come ask us uh, your questions. We're going to be tuned in and we're going to be checking out all of your questions on there so come check it out bradley what's up man bradley says hi bradley we got steve on today so steve's one of those guests that it's almost like it's almost too much to intro everything <laughs> you've done um we don't need to t- we don't need to cover all that. yeah you, you look like Just a young man maybe 28 29 <laughs> maybe yeah. a little bit older than that but you've done a you've done a, a a lot in a very short amount of time i've tried i've tried you know i mean started out as a kid you know playing football was always my dream uh, specifically to play at A&M. Um, you know, I never really thought about going to the NFL. That was not something you, I mean, I guess as a kid, you kind of dream about it, but oh, yeah. you, know, you think of it as like an unreachable dream, you know, but I, I, I felt like I could get to A&M, you know, if I set my mind to it and really worked hard at it. So that was, that was the original goal. And, uh, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to accomplish that. Played for RC Slocum during the, uh, the mid nineties when the, uh, the wrecking crew was in still full effect. Uh, we're hoping they come back here soon. They're, they look like they might this year, but uh, you know, ended up ended up playing there and had a great career. And loved every second of it. Uh, ended up being drafted and playing in the NFL for 11 years, starter. So it was a it was a, it was a great time of my life. You know, something that I, I think very fondly of and look back at. But you know, I know that even as even as I was playing football, the one thing I wanted to make sure is that I didn't want to ever be defined as just a football player. You know, I didn't, I saw myself as a football player, but I saw myself as so much more. 
that I wanted to accomplish in life. And I didn't want, I didn't want everything to end right after football. That's why I didn't really pursue coaching or, or going anything like that. I wanted to do something outside of just football. You know, I, I was more than just a good athlete. You know, I felt like I had a brain and, and leadership skills that could translate over into other industries that I wanted to explore. That's awesome. And that's one thing I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that later in the show. Cause that's one thing that, uh, one of the guys we looked up to, Bedros Koulian, he's building a fitness franchise on the West Coast, and he mm-hmm. always talks about uh, keep that mentality of, you know, to keep you young and to keep you working for something, you know, always have the mentality of best is yet to come. You know, you know a lot of people who were really good at football, maybe even in high school, and then 20 years later, that's still the thing they're holding on to. It was yeah. that, that game they won state back oh, in yeah. high school. So Bedros talks a lot about keep your dreams in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, have, have, have you, have you, is that why you think that you've, continue to make those transitions like you've hit big goals played for a&m we're gonna dive into that in a second i'm gonna ask you about the game on saturday i don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that one or not well, i was there <laughs> still a little horse <laughs> uh then you played in the nfl now you're doing good things in the in the business world like you said has that been do you feel like that's kind of one of those things like you never wanted to feel like your best was behind you you always wanted to keep something to chase yeah i mean absolutely i think that you know in any great competitor you know i think that's how you think you know, nobody is ever satisfied. You don't get to the level of the NFL and, and have a long career without that mindset. You you are never satisfied. Good is never good enough. You know, you always have to keep working. Your best has always got to be in front of you. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the mindset I took towards the end of my career as I was looking into a, my second career, what I was going to do. And, you know, especially now that I'm in the, uh, in the business world, that's how I think about it. You know, I'm still very competitive. Um, you know, I compete with other uh, owner-operators in McDonald's that – you know, I want to, I want to be better than them. Yeah. I want to run better stores. I want to have better, you know, graded visits and buy more restaurants. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just my nature to want to be the best. As a franchisor, we love to hear that. <laughs> right? <laughs> we want to see competition within stores. Well, you know, and, no, and the truth is, is that franchisors in McDonald's like to hear that too. No, absolutely. Yeah. And those kind of, those kind of franchisees grow yep. and have the opportunity to grow. So, you know, regardless of what franchise you're in, you know, you have that mindset, you're going to get more opportunities than other franchisees. No, absolutely. And it keeps us honest, too. Like, we have a, we have a, you know, a couple of franchisees that have multiple units, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Derek down in Southeast Texas with two, and then you, you look at Kevin and Jessica and watching what they're doing, that makes us want to try harder because they're, they're crushing it and opening all these stores, and we're seeing them work hard. It makes us work harder, you no, know, so absolutely. I think it's... Uh, all right, so let's back up a little bit. So all right. uh, Texas A&M football, let's dive into that for just a second. So. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just talk about the game Saturday and get that over with? Robbie's outnumbered. Yeah, what about that game on or, Saturday? Right, right. What's Robbie's affiliation? He's a Longhorn or what? Yeah. Okay. I, I grew up as a Longhorn fan. I didn't graduate. But okay, yeah. you're a T-shirt fan. Yes, sir. As you call them. <laughs> hey, but I'm still, over the years they lost, yeah. I still have the T-shirt. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of people changed. No, it's true. But I still, a, a, lot, a lot of those became Alabama fans yeah. and they have new T-shirt. Uh, he has been a diehard yeah, Texas fan. You know, so, well, you good know, for you. I'm not, a, I'm not a bandwagon guy. That's good. You know, I don't, I don't disrespect people that root for other teams, whether they went there or not. You know, I mean, everybody's entitled to root for who they want to. You know, it's in your heart. You grow up as, as a kid. You know, it's kind of like being born into a religion. Or you, same with college football. Oh, you're, yeah. born, you're born into a college. Whether yep. you want it or not. Like, like NFL. You know? Yeah. Like we NFL. Grew, yeah. I'm a Cowboys Unfortunately, fan. we grew up Dallas fans. I mean, uh, we, grew well. up, we grew up in Southeast Texas, and that's just how well, it was. Early I mean, 90s. You yeah. Know, yeah. Smith, it's, you know, hard, so. it's hard to fault, too. I don't blame people for that. I grew up an Oilers fan, so, you know, I've always rooted for them. And, yeah. you know, playing with the Texans, obviously, I'm a, I'm a Texans fan. But, uh, Absolutely. You know, I, I respect and understand how people grow up yeah. Cowboys fans. Believe me, if I didn't if I didn't have an affiliation, I'd be a Cowboys fan in the 90s, too. Yeah. No, I, that was a good time period. Like, my son... We're living here in Houston. He'll probably be a Texans fan. Yep. 
And, you know, and, well, that's good. You've seen the light. And yeah. You, you want to raise them right. Glad to hear that. <laughs> My oldest son, he uh, <laughs> loves playing football. He had a good year this year playing for Magnolia. He's 15. He uh, Same thing. Like he He's kind of a smaller guy, but he's running back. Yeah. Uh, and he wants to go to Texas A&M. And I, I had him listen to your episode with Terry the other day just to show yeah. him, like, keep that vision, keep working toward it. And whether it happens or not, like, you know. It's all about vision, man. Yeah. It's all about vision. I had that vision when I was in seventh grade. And I'll remember almost very clearly. Because I don't even think I was playing football yet, you know. And I was watching A&M play Hawaii, which was weird. They opened the season, I think, first or second game, and they went to Hawaii, and they were playing Hawaii. Darren Lewis was the running back. And I remember thinking, I'm going to play football for A&M one day. That's what I want to do. I want to play for A&M. Not I want to play college football or yeah. I want to be a good football player. I want to play for A&M. Wow. And literally, like, from that day forward, like, in, that was always in the back of my mind. And I put it out there. You know, I told my parents and brother, and, you know, they're like, oh, that's good, Steve. Good. Good for you, buddy. You know? <laughs> but I was serious. And so, you know, it's almost like from that day forward, like, everything I was doing athletically was to prepare me for that opportunity, so, you know. That's yeah. awesome. Well, while you were at A&M, you are no, 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 not while you were at AM, just in 2015, right? Uh, you were named one of the top 100 best football players for Texas AM ever. Yeah, I don't know how, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a nice honor. I mean, there's been a lot of good football players come through there over the last, you know, 100 years or whatever. Yeah. Just, just to be on that list at all was, uh, was very humbling and, you know, it was a great honor. So I was, I was proud of that. Um, you know, obviously, when you get there, you get that scholarship offer. That's like a dream come true. But then you got to immediately update your goals. Like as soon as you reach that goal, oh, yeah. you, you never just go, okay, I did it. I did it. I made it. It's like, okay, I did it. Okay, now I got to do this. Now this is my new goal. And so that's kind of how it became for me. You know, it's just, okay, I got the scholarship. Now I got to get on the field. Then once I got on the field, I was like, okay, now I got I to gotta get all conference. And then I got all conference. I'm like, now I got to get drafted. So, I mean, your goals just completely update every time you hit them. That's awesome. You know? <clears throat> so I don't get to brag much about Delta Life Fitness, but since we're talking about top 100, I got to throw this in here. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, Robbie and I co-founded Delta Life Fitness. is a women's only fitness franchise uh, unit that we're building out a lot here in Houston, but we're coast to coast. But uh, we actually, it's coming out in the December episode, uh, magazine of Franchise Dictionary Magazine. We just got named one of the top 100 game-changing franchises. So we're pretty wow. Yeah. That's awesome. We're pretty, I mean, all the, you know, I mean, everything you, when you risk it all and you try to build something and then seeing. Absolutely. That's probably the first big major franchise award we've ever received. We got Fitness Business of the Year back in 2015, yep. but this is really cool. That's really cool for so us. So how many units are you guys up to now? Just over 30 that are wow. open or under development. Yeah. So Good for you guys. I mean, you know, I having done franchises in the very beginning of a franchise, um, not as a franchisor, but, you know, I jumped into Velocity Sports Performance when I think there was maybe one or two locations yeah um you know and it got up to probably you know 40 50 um before i don't know if it just kind of fell apart or what but uh, so i've seen the beginning of franchise just coming into the world and i know how hard it is it's a grind yeah. it is a grind and then you know you guys you know to get 30 up already uh you know that's a great testament to you guys because there's so much marketing and branding that has to be done to just let people know what these you know new franchises are because people don't know Yep. You know, and something that people listen to this show that are, you know, for our audience out there that has a business that might want to uh, go to franchising, it is so much upfront cash, yep. 
time. It's it's all upfront cash and time. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've we've been lucky. We started in a parking lot and cash flowed this thing yep. from 2009 till now. Mm-hmm. You know, in a parking lot, cash flowing it, parking wow. lots to warehouses to now the facilities we're building now here in Houston. You know, so but That's it's great. it takes a it takes a lot to stick. With, stick no, absolutely, with yeah. It. I think that was that always sitting the goal in front of us. Like, yeah. okay, we started in a parking lot. Then now we're at our first studio, we're right. making money. Yeah, you know, I remember me and Josh talking. Man, if we could just make eight thousand dollars a month, what is that? That's a hundred grand a year. You know, we were young men, oh, yeah. working oh, yeah. full time jobs. This was on the side. Like, and as we grew, yes. you know, me and him on the phone, two locations talking about how we're going to franchise this and be the biggest thing. And we were always <laughs> keeping that in front of us. So I think that's. that's, that's I mean, that's great. I mean, you guys, you guys are you guys are hitting your goals, and you know, to get to thirty, I mean, the sky's the limit with yeah. any franchise, and you guys have gotten gotten it you know, off the ground. That's the hardest part. part. That's the hardest part. You guys have got it off the ground and you're moving forward. There's just no telling where this thing can go. It all depends on getting the right franchisees, the right people that are dedicated to running the business the way it's supposed to be run and helping those people grow. And giving them a system where they can win. And I like that. I mean, this, you know, after 13 years in the Marine Corps, like I was used to safety and that paycheck's going to be there. I show up and do my job. I got a paycheck. I got health care. I traded that in kind of like you, right? Like you mm-hmm. do the same thing. Like, yeah. I mean, you, it wasn't guaranteed for you when you were in the NFL, but you knew what to do. It was regimented. You're there. And, and now it's hundred percent risk on Steve. How hard is Steve going to work? And he could lose it all. You know, yeah. it's, so whenever you trade your life in for a commission, like sell to survive commission based life, if you don't, and if you don't create a system where other people win, you're not going to make it very long. No, you're hundred percent right. I mean, you, you've nailed it. You, you have the right mindset as a franchisor because for you guys to be successful, ultimately, your franchisees have to be successful. The only way. They got a yeah. cash flow. You got to make sure that your franchisees are making money. Because if they're not making money, you're not going to make money. It's yep. just a matter of time for it all crumbles. Yeah, and that's, like, that's when you see a lot of these uh, franchises get to about 50 units and kind of the tires fall off of it is mm-hmm. they didn't pay attention to the unique economics or they try to grow too fast. They ran their – it's a it's a science or, or like it's an art. That's why mm-hmm. people like the franchise you're part of, McDonald's, amazing what they were able to do but they did it over the last what 50 years yeah you know they got to everybody looks at mcdonald's they are the, the mecca of franchising yeah. but they they didn't go overnight if you listen to ray Kroc. i mean it was a slow process and that's what exactly. i think franchising a weird sales yeah. area because you don't just sell and sell and sell you've got to look at the franchise or you've got to grade those guys will they fit in our system will that's they it. be a good franchisee that's you know it's it's a very there's so it's much diff- to it. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing to do as a franchise. There's owner. nothing more. Amer- there's nothing more American than franchising. No. I love it. <clears throat> so okay, somebody had a business model. They created some systems around it. Now they're going to allow somebody else to save mm-hmm. themselves those time and energy and mistakes that they made to expand and gain market share using exactly. other people's capital and time. Brilliant business model, in theory, hard to pull off in reality because. Yeah. The franchise does have to sell and generate revenue in order to better support yeah. the franchise. Especially early. But, yeah, especially early. You know? mm-hmm. But the two have to go like this. And at first, we went like this, and we were too heavy on selling a model that wasn't polished. You know, mm-hmm. we were telling you about when we were still in warehouses and everything else. Like, right. We we got lucky. I mean, we got mixed up with some really good people who came yep. in. Those Hardy, The Hardy's group I told you about, we had another investor come on and help us. And then he brought in Lynette McKee who helped us really build best-in-class practices. She was the uh, VP of franchising for Duncan mm-hmm. during their largest growth run. She came in, made us stop everything, because we were just selling, right. right, doing what we thought we had to. She made us stop everything, rebuild the operations manual, rebuild the replicable model. Mm-hmm. And, it, and we were terrified, because we had to go, how long, Robbie, a year and a half without yeah. sales? It was uncomfortable. And I had just walked away from a 13-year 
you know, yeah. I had six years left in the Marine Corps as a pilot, like would have been set. <laughs> I had, to, <laughs> had to put that on pause to wow. go, you know, so, you know. Took the risk, man. The risk, you know, risk first reward. Hopefully. It's all going to pay off for you guys. Hopefully there's a reward. It will. Yeah, so. There kidding. will be. Uh, so top 100. So you were at the game on Saturday. I was, man. That was. That's uh, incredible. I mean, if you think about all the football games I've played in my life over 20 years and all the games I've watched and, and since then, I've never seen a game. That was, that was the craziest game I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Seven overtimes. First of all, that's only happened like three or four times. It was the highest scoring game in college football history by the two most unlikely teams to break that record ever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it only happens because they go to seven <laughs> overtimes and you're just getting touchdown after touchdown. And at that time, the defenses were so exhausted. I don't think they could stop anybody. But it was, uh, it was just incredible, just, the, just how they got to overtime. Because I was there. Oh, yeah. And I'm sitting there, and end of the game, I think Mon throws the interception. I get up. I'm like, yeah, you know, lost again. So I'm walking down the aisle, and they, I hear they're going to review it. I see the replay. I see his knee down, touching the ball. I'm like, dude, he's down. They're going to get the ball back. But, you know, there's only going to be like 25 seconds. I'm not thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just like, well, at least we can throw a Hail Mary. Yeah. I'm not expecting them to go down the field and but we throw got one a last, play. last yeah. second touchdown, you know. And so then they get down there and, you know, get the, get the one second back on the clock, which was legit. I mean, he had plenty of time to spike the ball and throws the touchdown on, uh, on the last play of the game. And just the place went nuts. I'm, sure. I'm talking <laughs> nuts. <laughs> I've never heard Kyle feel that loud. And then just the overtime that pursued just was like boom, 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 back and forth the whole time. Or we're just at, at some point your nerves are so shot. Oh, and you're yeah. just emotionally drained. You're just looking at each other like, yeah. Is this, how this, is this really happening? Like, how is this happening? This is crazy. I didn't watch the game until probably the third overtime. Josh texted me. He's like, you watching the game? I, I, was looking, I, I was looking at all the ESPN app. I seen them throw the interception. I closed yeah, it. You thought it was on. over. Yeah. yeah. He texted me three overtimes in, then I turned it back on TV. Well, you still got to watch a good hour of it at that, from that point. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kristen threw us a whoop in over the over live. <laughs> whoop. Yeah, that was, uh, but that was fun, man. Me and my son were there, and, you know, we actually rushed the field afterwards. Oh, no I way. saw everybody rushing it. <laughs> I wasn't going to start it because I, I know there's a fine. You know, it's like yeah. 50 grand. The school gets fined if you rush it. I'm like, I saw kids going. I'm like, dude, we're going. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. We're in. Might as well. Huh? I, I don't think they could have stopped them. They not, couldn't not, have, not man. Not that night. Not after that game. They couldn't have. It was, but it was fun, man. It was, that was a memory I'll never forget right there. So then after, after playing Texas A&M for, uh, and going all-conference and having your great experience there, you go into the draft, uh, same year. You and, you and Peyton Manning go join the Colts, same year. That's right. We were both first picks. He was the first pick in the first round. I was the first pick in the fourth round. So <laughs> I like to remind him of that. I'm, we're both first picks, so don't be too cocky around me, dude. Um, but, no, it was, uh, <laughs> it was one of those deals where I thought I was going to be drafted higher. You know, I was expected to go in the second, third round. So, by the, you know, by, when those rounds passed and I'm still sitting there, you know, I'm frustrated and questioning everything I'd done leading up to that point. No, absolutely. But, uh, you know, when, when Indianapolis called at the beginning of the round, round four, you know, they'd traded up to, uh, to pick me. And I, I just knew that that was where I was supposed to be. You know, just something felt right that that's, that's where I needed to be in that round at that team with that coach. And I went to a place where I had an offensive line coach named Howard Mudd that, that believed in me, that wanted me. And it's amazing how much people can thrive under the right conditions when they're being not only coached properly, but, you know, when you know your coach has confidence in you and wants the best for you and, you know, pushes you. Um, 
it just all clicked for me. I ended up starting my rookie year, made the all NFL rookie team, started there for four years. And, um, you know, free agency came up and Texans were coming into the NFL that same year. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to go into free agency and, and try to get down there to Houston. And it worked out, you know, Bob yeah. McNair signed me who just passed away, you know, one of the, one of the best men I ever met and knew. Um, a lot of respect for him and, you know, sorry for his family. But uh, he left such an amazing legacy here with the Houston Texans and bringing yeah. that franchise back here. I mean, this city should have, be so grateful that oh, that yeah. man existed. No, I think, you know, my, my kids are, are – we have an NFL team here now in Houston, like you said, that our kids are growing up and being able to watch and stuff. So him bringing yeah. that back was – I think everybody was – I think Houston's in general were really upset when the Oilers left and you had all that conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. it was a crazy – that was a whole crazy deal. But uh, – you know, thank God we got we got a football team back and the Texans and they looked great last night and I know, right? yeah, they're heading to the playoffs yeah. and you know it's gonna be a fun year and you know I'll I'll one of the games I played in that I'll never forget is that first game against Dallas, which I'm sure you guys oh, are yeah. still no. still broken up about, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was man that was you know I played in some big games in college and loud you know in front of Kyle Field. But I had never heard a stadium as loud as really? when, when we ran out for that Texans Cowboys game, um, the very first one. That stadium was loud. That's I'm cool. talking about it was so loud, like the, I could feel the hair on my neck vibrating. Loud. Yeah. Wow. It was crazy. But man, winning that game, oh my goodness, that's the city was nuts. I don't know if you guys remember it, but man, they were going crazy I, down here. I mean, I think in most Texans, most like me being a Dallas fan, even watching. I wasn't even upset that the Texans won that. I was just glad to see Houston with the team back. Like, it's just Texas pride in general. You know, no, I was absolutely. just glad to see it. It was it was yeah. fun, man. That was a fun game. I'll never forget that one either. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think when you do anything great, you got to have a certain kind of mindset, right? Like, it, just like you just talked about with us and when in business and franchising, like, to get Delta Life to where it's been today and where it's going to go, Robbie and I have to have this almost ridiculous belief of what it's going to be. And we, have, mm -hmm. and we have to hang on to that, and we have to remind ourselves of that every morning before the punches start flying in no at 6 a.m., right? I, I heard you say something on a podcast one time about you never went into a game, you know, succeeding the loss before you walked in there. Mm -hmm. That first year you go to the Colts, you guys go 3-13. and 13. How important was mindset, your mindset in general, about, like, you never took a field where you thought you were going to lose? What happened between that 3-13 and 13 season and the 13-3 and three season right after that? Man, I, <laughs> you know, we just went back to work and, you know, we got, we got a little more experienced and we just kept working hard. And it was something that happened during that season. You know, we knew we would be better than three and 13. You know, we didn't know we were going to go 13 and three, but, you know, when that season started, I think we, you know, we started out like two and two, you know, but we'd won a couple of games. I mean, shoot, we, we'd almost passed our win record from the year before. So, I mean, <laughs> we were feeling pretty good. Yeah. And we just kept practicing hard. You know, every week we were just really getting after each other, like physical, trying to pancake each other in practice. <laughs> like you don't really necessarily see that in the NFL. Yeah. But that's how we practice literally for like 12 straight weeks, just trying to kill each other in practice. And it really bled over into the games because we were a more physical team. We believed. I mean, it's easy to believe when you got Peyton Manning, you know, <laughs> and he's throwing 35 touchdowns in the season. But – we just had we just had a lot of belief. We worked extremely hard, and we just kept winning. And well, winning heard, is contagious. I heard he had some good blocking up front, though. Ah, so. great blocking, yeah. <laughs> Especially by the left guard. Yeah. But you know, it was it was something that we just won a couple games. Kind of like the Texans right now. Yeah. Honestly, like we won a couple games, and we you know we started to believe that we could win, 
And once you get that belief, it's hard to get rid of. Yeah. Because then even in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go and you're down by seven, you find a way to win. Yeah. You, you just find a way to win because you believe. You never give up that, that hope or that belief. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the A&M, you know, coming back against LSU the other night. I mean, they just never gave up. They never, their will was never broken. And you just kind of keep plugging and fighting until you find a way to win. And we did that literally all season until we got to the very end of the season and then we were clinched, you know, uh, home field advantage and all this. And so, you know, they set out some starters in the last game and we lost to Buffalo. Which, you know, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think, I think Peyton played like one series and Marvin Harrison played a series. And, you know, we got our heads kicked in. And, you know, what do we do? We go out, take a bye week, go in and get beat in the first round of the playoffs, you know, because we just screwed up our whole mentality. I feel like if we'd, have, if we'd have played like we played all season that last game, we would have won that game against Tennessee. We would have been in the Super Bowl, not Tennessee. That must have stuck with Payton because remember just a few yeah. years ago when they tried to sit, seat him in that last game, he was like yelling at the coaches. So mm-hmm. that must have been, he must have remembered. No doubt. I mean, <laughs> you just can't take, when you're on a roll like that, you don't want to take two weeks off. It's bad enough you got that bye week. Yeah. And then you're going to take the week before that off too? Like, no, that's too much time in between competitive games. Like, you need to be out there competing, fighting. I remember that week. was a big thing back then. It was a big uh, controversy. Like, do we sit our players? Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I, I get it. And I'm almost like if you're playing in a wild card round where you're going to play that next week, you know, maybe go out there and play a series or two. Yeah. And then sit them. But if you got a bye week, you need to play. Because that's too many weeks to be sitting out not playing. I guess the biggest fear would be something happens to Peyton. He gets hurt. <laughs> One of your stars get hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you got to roll the dice. You know? That's yeah. 100% why they do it. Yeah. But – you know, realistically, all I mean, the critics would come out at that point. Yeah, you've played, <laughs> he's, you've, he's you've played 15 games and hadn't gotten exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you got to risk it for one no, more. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's transition from football into business, and we're gonna uh, one more question here, and then we'll we'll take a break. Uh, so, 11 year NFL career, which is beats the average by quite a bit, right? Uh, but you, you said something interesting to me. I heard you say two things on a podcast I listened to. One, you said you, you really liked the franchise model. That was something you were looking at mm-hmm. for a long time, was looking at the franchise model. And then you said, like, your second year in, you were saying that the NFL really worked with you guys on trying to prepare you for life after football. Yeah. And you said you were reading franchise disclosure documents mm-hmm. at, like, 25, 26 years old, just a couple years into the yep. into the NFL. So. Tell me about that. Tell me what is it about franchising in general with any brand that kind of attracted you to it? Well, it's it's very simple, really, because being a part of a franchise is like being a part of a team. You know, and when you grow up a football player, that's what you do. You're on a team. You have a playbook. You didn't write the playbook, but you believe in the playbook. You learn it. You study it. And then you go out and you execute it. Franchising is the same thing. I don't need, I don't want to be a head coach. You guys are the head coach. <laughs> You're franchisors. I wanted, I wanted to just be on the team and execute a playbook that's, that's already proven to win. And so that's what franchising does. It's got a business model. It's got a playbook. You study the playbook, learn it, go out and execute it, and then you're successful with it. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to reinvent the business. I don't need to go open Steve's Burger Shack. I don't have that desire. You know what I have the desire to do? Be successful. Yeah. And to me, I'm defining success as... Um, financial success and growth success. Um, you know, I provide a lot of jobs in the community. Oh, absolutely. And by the, the money that we make selling burgers, I'm able to give a lot back to the community mm-hmm. and to my family. So it's provided me opportunities above just 
you know, financial for my family. It provides me the opportunity to be able to go and, and do good things for people that need it. And so, you know, that, that to me is just kind of icing on the cake. I love the franchise model. Um, they're not all successful, and not every franchisee will be successful, but I think they have a lot more success than going out on your own. Yeah, and I think everybody that right now that's looking to get in the franchise system, if you have a different mentality, if you want to be the head coach, you probably need to go start yeah. your own burger because you're going to not just not succeed in the franchise. You're not going to be happy. You're not. You're yeah. not going to be happy yeah. in the franchise Because you're not going to want people telling you what you have to do, exactly. the way you have to do it. And I don't mind that. No. As long as it works. <laughs> no, absolutely. Now, if it don't work, I'm, we'll, talk about, yeah. we'll talk about it. But if yeah. it's working, I don't need to go and reinvent a Big Mac. It, it's already proven it wins. No, absolutely. And then also, like with franchising, we went to IFA. We've, we've done oh, them. We went to IFA uh, last year, and uh, it's the National Franchise Association. They talked about franchising and how people look at McDonald's as this big business, and but McDonald's really is a small business owner. You're the, you're yeah. the guy in the community. You're, you're getting jobs in the community. You're giving back to the community. I think mm -hmm. um, it's hard for the, the franchising industry as a whole has a lot of educating to do for the public of sure. what franchising is. Oh, yeah. You know, no people, <laughs> people don't look at it as a small business. They look at it as... They think it's big corporate. Yeah, they yeah, think it's big corporate. It's it really not. is your neighbor mm -hmm. that, yeah. exactly what Steve just explained, that yeah. wants to be successful financially, give back to the community. I think a lot of people just need to take that in when they look at franchising. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this right now. I mean, McDonald's here just in Houston. I think we have like 360, 380 locations in the, you know, the Houston Metroplex area. And I think 15 of them are owned by corporate McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which means 90% of the McDonald's, maybe 95% in Houston, are owned by guys like me. Could be your neighbor. Owner-operators. Men, women, white, black, Hispanic. We're all, we're all in this together, making, trying to make money, trying to sell burgers, trying to make the, the community a better place. Yeah. I don't think that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're so gonna, just remember that, you know, when you're, when you're going through McDonald's and you're, you know, no, we were trying. We were that. making a big play for that the other day on Small Business Saturday. People leave out the big iconic brands because they don't think that McDonald's is a small business. Well, that's just not true. And that's yeah. what IFA, the International Franchise Association, is doing a really good job of trying to educate the country on what franchising really is. Yeah. yeah. Well, we appreciate there's a big that. Gap. There's a big gap there. <laughs> well, everybody's loving. We're getting a lot of comments, and people are loving the comparison of the head coach and the player. I never heard that either. It's funny. Like every time you try to explain anything, football analogies always work. Yeah. So I imagine you have a pretty. I just all I do in McDonald's is football analogies. So <laughs> even to my employees. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna kick it over to a break. We'll be right back with Steve McKinney. You guys don't go anywhere. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live, and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas franchise. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vibes with Soul, Miss C.C. Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B and, of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available in Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. 
Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. Mm. Uh. Everybody, everybody enjoying the rap music, huh? All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, we're here with Steve McKinney, uh, ex-football player, NFL owner, or NFL I player. Wish. Yeah, no, me and you both. Uh, McDonald's franchisee. Uh, he owns 10 units here in the Houston area. Uh, I don't know about everybody, but I don't know if you watched the founder, the movie. Uh, I Personally, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoy Ray Kroc and his story and kind of why... Um, Kind of his story got me into franchise. It made me want to be a franchise where I just love the franchise business. But uh, yeah. one thing, uh, I read uh, Beyond the Golden Arches. It's a book about McDonald's and kind of um, early burger models. And uh, what uh, one thing they really take pride in is uh, Hamburger University. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing you being a McDonald's franchise, you got uh, at least 10 units. You had a, you know, got to go through the training at McDonald's. And I guess that's what drove you to a franchise. Wanting to be a franchisee at McDonald's was probably how much they had figured out. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, and I did some, some different franchises and investments before I ever got into McDonald's. So, I mean, I had kind of a background on, you know, what to expect from franchise models. And one thing I knew when I got out of football is that I wanted to be in the food industry. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I did the velocity. I did the sports performance training. I did all that. But I I felt a calling. I grew up, my family owned a restaurant in Centerville when I was growing up as a kid. I used to work there. And so I, it's just kind of in my blood. You know, they yeah. say you have to have ketchup in your bloods to want to do this. <laughs> no. And it's true. Yeah. But I looked at some food franchises. You know, I tried to get into McDonald's early on, right out of the NFL, and I got, you know, denied. They weren't, I guess they weren't interested at that point. Um, but I just kept looking and, you know, kept coming back in my mind to, to McDonald's. You know, I just, yeah. every franchise I looked at, just, it wasn't speaking to me. Just didn't feel right. Um, so I finally, you know, got, got into McDonald's after, after multiple efforts. And one of the things that was really attractive to McDonald's was the training. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't just going to hand me a franchise. No, yeah. They weren't just going to let me write a check and give me however many I wanted to buy. As a franchisee, that probably makes you feel good. Uh, it, now it does. At the time, <laughs> I was like, come on, man, I got money. I'm ready to go. <laughs> These yeah. things sell themselves, you know. <laughs> but that's not what they want. They don't want, they don't want investors. They don't want silent partners. They don't want your brother-in-law running your business. They want operators. That's why we're, we can call ourselves owner-operators, not just owners. Yeah. Is we have to be involved in the day-to-day business. Um, I mean, they, they make you go through a training program when you get into the owner-operator program. It's probably, I mean, at least a year and a half, maybe two years, where you're working for free in the restaurant. You're going to classes. You're working positions, crew shift managers, general managers, supervisor, maintenance man, everything. you got yeah. to. 40 hours a week. And they don't come check on you every day. You know, they check on you like a couple times a month. Make sure you're working good and, you know, learning stuff and check up on you. That was it. I mean, it was just, it was brutal. 
And I was doing this right after I got done playing football. <laughs> Man, so that's impressive that they have that much. Like, McDonald's is that confidence in their thing. They're like, hey, what are you going to work for us for a year for free mm-hmm. and understand what it takes to do this? Well, you, you know, they you get really want it. 10,000-plus 10, 10, applications a year. So yeah, absolutely. the Which, way they look at it is if you don't want to do it, we'll, we're not taking on but about three or four new operators a year. So if you don't want it, we'll not a problem. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, but straight from the NFL into working 40 hour weeks yeah. at McDonald's with no pay, there had to be moments where you were like, what am I doing? Oh man. At least once a month, <laughs> maybe more. Cause I, I remember there were, there were nights, you know, cause I, I wanted to just work, you know, eight to five, you know, nine to five and go home and see my kids and take the weekends off and go hunting and fishing. And they were like, uh, no, that's not how the restaurant business works. <laughs> McDonald's is 24 hours, so you need to learn to work all shifts. So, like, you need to do, you need to open for a couple weeks. You need to close for a couple weeks. You need to do overnights for a couple weeks, um, at least. Oh, wow. So, I was having to do all that, man. It was brutal. Uh, There was days where, you know, I'm getting up at 3.30 to go to work or coming home at 3 in the morning. And, you know, that's when you're just like, this better be, this better be worth it. This is a a lot of effort. And, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. How bad do I really want to be in McDonald's? (laughs) (laughs) I imagine, yourself, I, I imagine doing that, you know, going straight out of the NFL to that. Yeah, it was just, tough. It I was think tough. I did a I did a stint with a, a franchise fast food record restaurant when I was younger in mm-hmm. high school, and it lasted about, I don't know, two days, and I said, this is not for me. It's not for everybody. No, it wasn't. And, it's not. And I, my dad always laughed at me because I don't even know if I lasted two days, maybe a day, first day at work, and I said, hey, this is not for me. I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm, uh-huh. I'm not made for the food industry. I've had a lot of a lot of employees like that, yeah, trust just, me. <laughs> just not, this is not something I enjoyed. No, and, you know, and I understand that. I never have taken that personal Yeah. Uh, cause, because it is hard. No, you absolutely. know, you're on your feet a lot. You're, you know, customers are not always the friendliest. Yeah. Um, you know, things don't always go perfect. You know, equipment breaks. It really is a tough job. Credit cards, yeah. machines go down. Oh, Cust- yeah. Customers don't want to hear that. You know, it's just, it can be it can be very, very difficult. But ultimately, I went to McDonald's because I wanted to be trained. I was smart enough at that point to at least know that I didn't know anything about running a restaurant. Yeah. And you had no restaurant experience. Right? No restaurant right? experience yeah. other than busting tables as a kid. I knew that I needed to go to a franchise that was going to train the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I needed somebody that was going to push me when I didn't want to be pushed, the same as a head coach does in football. Mm-hmm. When those days that you don't want to practice and you're tired and you'd rather just, you know, say, hey, I don't feel like practicing today. My knee's kind of sore. My ankle's, ankle's a little sore. No, the coaches don't want to hear that. They're just going to push you. Yeah. Get out there. And that's what, the, that's what McDonald's did. You know, there was times where I'm just like, man, I don't want to work weekends. You know, why do I have to work weekends? I'm going to be an owner. You know, I'm going to pay somebody to work weekends. Yeah. And they're like, no. If you want to be an operator, you're going to work weekends. And that was it. And there's not, no discussion. And so I, I always, always respected that because it pushed me to be a better operator. You know, they hold you accountable, man. Accountability is a wonderful thing in yeah. life. The head coach analogy, really good analogy on the way oh, you just laid it, yeah. that out. Yeah, it, really good. <clears throat> and I know people hate being held accountable. It's uncomfortable. Well, it's, yeah. It is. But without accountability at any level, you're not going to ever, even, even the greatest athletes need accountability and they need motivation at mm-hmm. times even jerry rice walter payton even those guys need to be pushed you know those are those are what make the greats greater mm-hmm. is by being pushed so i want to be i want to be in a franchise that's going to push me that's not going to let me um you know be disengaged from my business and run poor restaurants i want to i want a franchise that when i start to do that they're going to do everything in their power to get me out of their system yeah. Wow. and get better operators in there. That's the kind of franchise I want to be in. 
it's so it's so important. It's something we've seen over the years because we we and this is not any of the franchisees' fault. This is mine and Robbie's fault. No, like we, we've had to learn this lesson. I mean, when you and I think every franchise is a giant spectrum, right? Like you start off like somebody would want to own this. My our very first <laughs> franchisee was my father, who <laughs> he wanted to put up his money and and literally I don't think he's ever been inside of it, right? Yeah. And we thought, you know, when you think you're, when you think you have systems, you think I can just go investor route, and that's a, that's appealing to you. So every franchise, you know, McDonald's is probably the farthest one on the right. Like they're confident, they know their model works. You just do this. We want owner operators. We don't need to, you know. And then yeah. you start all the way over here on the left, where it's just a franchise that's just starting, and I'll take on anybody. Like I need investors. I need people that are willing to do this, and we'll get through the rest, right? And then there's every level. In between, right. right? And I think we, I mean, how many, how many jumps in that peg have we made just in the last five years? I mean, we started all the way to the left and now we're getting about to the middle. But it's it, when you first start, you're thinking, man, I'm just grateful somebody wants to work this hard to expand the brand. Right. So you don't, you, you feel, you feel bad by if you're stepping on their toes or calling them out or yeah. telling them there's different things they need to do better with their story. You're like, man, I don't have that right. This person put their whole life on hold to come work their butt off to expand the brand. Mm -hmm. But you do get more confident yeah. as you go. And, and you start, and when you see some of them struggle early on, you realize two things. One, we've got to pour all the money we're making back into better training. We've got to continue to evolve the brand to give them better systems. We've got to build better support and go support these guys. And then two, for their own benefit, we've got to be really hard on them. Yeah. Like you just, you have to, <laughs> I think that's, that's two, true, two things man. that we've had to learn over the yeah. years. And a lot of us, you know, understanding McDonald's know what customer or what franchisee they fit a certain way, a certain mentality. Right. We got to figure that out. And, and, yeah. and a lot of times early on, especially early on with success, when you're creating a model, we see it with a lot of other emerging brands is you had a lot of success with it. And you're thinking, if I can do it, I know I looked at it, like if I can do it, mm -hmm. well, anybody should be able to do it. Right. And then understanding that, well, you know, I'd wake up early. I'd go to sleep late. I wouldn't see my family. Like early on, motivation levels are different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so um, those are things that we had to learn along the way. That uh, you know, you just it's tough. I mean, that's why that's why a lot of franchises <laughs> are so difficult to get off the ground because yeah. you need the money coming in. Yep, you got to get people buying your franchise. Mm -hmm. You can't be too picky. I mean, you're in the beginning. People aren't lining up at the door to buy. Exactly. Them. What are you going to do? Turn yeah. down money? <laughs> yeah. It I can't work tell somebody way. to come work in my store for uh, <laughs> a year for free. That's not going to happen. Exactly. And, and so. How hard of a sell is this, right? Like, hey, cash in all of your savings, your 401k, everything you've saved your entire life, quit your career and come do nothing for the next 10 years but run this store. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a hard sell. Yeah. And by the way, we have two locations. <laughs> and they haven't yeah. been open. And we, and we can't tell you if they're making any money, <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. That's a tough sell. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's it, like you said, man. It's it's an evolution, and it's it's uh it's hard. It's and those first ten are so tricky. And we well, here's the good news. We thought we were rare. We were like, man, my dad was number one, best friend from high school was number two, right? Like, <laughs> and we started as a license, and then went into a franchise. So, Is that, that's how McDonald's started. So mm -hmm. we we Red Croc's best friends opened up his first couple locations. You know, we go to we go to <laughs> I, and it was a disaster, by the way. Yeah, it was. Uh, and we, we we go to IFA, the International Franchise Association, and they actually tell us all like, "Hey, this is how Dairy Queen started with a one-page license agreement. They still have units in Texas that are not even under a franchise agreement. They're under this one-page 
license agreement. They can serve what they want. They can keep up with the menu or not. Is that like, right? Wow. When you start to, like, you finally realize, like, all these brands make these evolutions. They, they make these yeah. jumps. And uh, and we're, we're, we're hitting that stride now. I mean, we've got some operators, Jennifer Huss, watching the show right now down in Spring, Texas. I mean, that girl's in there at 5 o'clock in the morning. She's staying late. She's working her butt off. That's, building I mean, that that's, store what you, that's what it takes. And that, that's with any small business, whether it's a franchise or not. It takes yep. an owner-operator that wants to give everything they got to that business. And that's, that's another thing that I loved about the franchise model is that the harder you work, the more your reward is, mm-hmm. right? No, it's not like that in a corporate world all the time. I may put in 60, 70 hours a week and turn in the best reports. And, you know, at the end of the day, I still don't get a raise. My boss gets a lot of credit and maybe the company stock goes up, but I'm still making the same amount. Yep. I know if I go in and bust my butt in the restaurant for a month or two, and improve service and operations, the sales are going to come. And then I'm going to make more money. And that's what that's what the franchise model is, man. The harder you work, if the model works, the harder you work, the more you make. And you're able to come in and know what you need to execute on because it's a playbook, like yeah. you said, <laughs> and you're going by that playbook. Now, the problem with a lot of franchises is that sometimes the playbook doesn't work. And that's where yeah. the whole or thing falls apart. Or it's too complicated. Or it's, they're early and they're trying to figure the playbook out. That's it. You know, <laughs> playbooks that evolve. You know, exactly. back in the night, you know, we used to run triple option in football. <laughs> you know, now we do no huddle air raid. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, playbooks evolve. Yeah. I think I'm going to let Robbie go on a rant real quick before we move over to Stump the Chump. Uh, I'm going to let you turn it loose on us. About drop, what? Drop a bomb on Conroe here. So, everything you rant. just said, Steve, rant. about, you know, that that kind of pressure is what drives excellence. I mm. think that's why, you know, some of the different economic systems that, were tried out in Europe back in the day didn't work. I think that's why capitalism has worked so well. Everything you just said, <laughs> yeah, like 100%. when you when, when you're when you live a commission based life, you have to sell to survive. You have to figure it out. Like there, you can't when you get to the point where you can't just get paid for showing up. Yeah. Because there is that world. There's a world where you can get paid for showing up. Entrepreneurship and business. Because the customer gets a vote. Mm-hmm. Just like in the military, the enemy gets a vote. Like in the in entrepreneurship, the customer gets a vote. So you got to show true. up, and that's the only way you can get paid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we give people crutches this country doesn't prosper. You were talking about GM on the ride over here. So <laughs> oh. the government, they're running a crappy business. Yeah, and we, you know, we all know what happened to them. They, we bailed them out. We bailed the auto industry out. I'm not saying bad or good. I don't know. Yep. But what we did is we allowed a company to run, to be benefited, to run. They're not going to come bail me out if I run a crappy company. No. But we went and bailed those guys out. And mm. we're seeing what... And now they're still they, running. Yeah, the, the, in the news today, they've seen that they were cutting back and shutting things down and, and stopped making cars. And that's and everybody's like blaming it on the tax cuts aren't working. It's not that the tax cuts aren't working. It's that the fact of it is that GM don't know how to run a business or they're running a crappy business and they continue to run that crappy business mm-hmm. after being bailed out by the tax dollars. Yeah, and, I know. it's exactly right. what you just said. They were running it bad, but we let them keep getting paid to just show up instead of exactly. perform. And that's exactly. not right. And then and so if you, if you want to sell more cars and trucks, I mean, make better cars and trucks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has a Chevrolet <laughs> yeah. from the from the '98 to what 2010 yeah. that tailgate didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, we've got to transition over to Stump the Chump. Great. Steve, I feel like I could spend like four hours no, yeah, with absolutely. you. You're a wealth of knowledge and just mindset, setting goals, achieving everything, franchise business in general. I wish I could just keep on just asking <laughs> you a million questions because uh, you got a wealth of knowledge there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I wanted to get, dig in a little bit of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. I know. That, I, had so <laughs> many, I had so many questions. You we know, didn't I played, even get played to. against Peyton, uh, Tom Brady in his first start, by the way. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, we lost. <laughs> uh, all right, over to Stump the Chump. Here's the rules. I'll ask each person four questions. You'll get one point for each correct answer. If you don't if you don't get the answer, the other per- person will have a chance to get it correctly. We have a tiebreaker if we need it. 
The theme today and no is... no one has seen the questions, right? Nope, okay. nobody's seen the okay. questions. It, it sure. is, it's purposely staged to make Robbie lose. So Steve, I like it. And uh, I like so we got, we got Big Rob versus Small Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's backwards. Bro. All right. I'm not sure if y'all seen the picture that we Never been called Facebook. that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw the Facebook photo or not. But, uh, and the theme today is NFL players that own franchises, since that's uh, all right. been a topic all day. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm really versed up on that, so... I started off with a couple of really easy questions. So, Steve, just an easy one to kick us off. The NFL added an expansion team uh, in Texas in 2002. I don't know if you know that or not. I'm familiar with uh, them, yeah. Which team was this? <laughs> the Texas? That's correct. <laughs> oh, really? That's, that's, I like that question. No, I do, yeah, softball is just to get us going. Good, Rob, okay. Robbie, equally, uh, yeah, let's equally, throw him a softball. equally easy question. You'll probably rattle it off. But uh, the Chiba Jets is the Japanese professional basketball team located in which, in which city? <laughs> What? Beijing? <laughs> no. You think I want to give you one that you <laughs> yeah, can actually that's, guess? The only, that's the only Chinese city I know. So. Funabashi. Funabashi. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say Hong Kong. Yeah. I don't know how you didn't know Funabashi. Uh, all right. Moving on to <laughs> question number three. Uh, Steve has got one point on the board. Uh, I'm killing him. And I like this game. Robbie's got <laughs> zero points. All right, Steve. Uh, your former teammate. Both mm-hmm. uh, first picks in the draft. Peyton right. Manning. Thank uh, you for acknowledging that. He owns. He owned. I think he sold them all. Yeah. Thirty-one franchise stores under a certain brand. Do you happen to know which brand that was? That would be Papa John's. There you pizza. go. <laughs> Man, I know that one too. Oh, uh, sure, sure, Robbie. <laughs> I know he does that one. Uh, all right, Robbie. Uh, equally easy question, of course. New England Patriot linebacker Roosevelt Colvin mm-hmm. owns a franchise. Which franchise is it? It's not food. Okay. What is it? What is it in? Yeah, uh, at least give me a category because I, I don't even know who the linebacker if, is. If I give you a I category, apologize. so it's a service based. I mean, I guess you could call it service. I know Roosevelt Collins, but I don't know what. I'm not sure I know what uh, franchise he's in. He's in a service based franchise. I don't know if it's service. Uh, it's, if I told you which industry, it would be a dead giveaway. Okay. There's not uh, many in this industry. There's not many in this industry. Mm. I've got uh, a guess. Go ahead, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, massage envy. That is incorrect. There's a bunch in that industry. Come I on, just man. had to throw one out there. I was going to say Service Pro. No, it's the UPS store. UPS store. Okay. All right. Nobody oh, gets yeah. I mean, that service industry, you got to be. I use, I use the UPS store. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, it's a nice place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Uh, Irvin Smith. Do you know who Irvin Smith is? Irvin Smith. He's a defensive back for the New York Jets. Okay. He owns a, I guess it's considered food. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's We're not a, even sure if it's food. Yeah, considered That's food. Interesting. <laughs> it's a it's a kind of it's a drink, really. Okay. Uh, Thinking smoothie now. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> he might be right. Thinking I don't know. Smoothie King. There it is. Steve gets it. <laughs> man, Steve's pulling a commanding lead. Yeah. Man. What am I three <laughs> Robbie, what are you doing over there, man? Uh, all right, Robbie. Uh, Tony McGee was a tight end uh, for the NFL for eleven years, same as our man Steve here. Mostly with Cincinnati uh, Bengals. Invested in a sports complex. Uh, He's got a similar story to you. He invested in a sports complex. Lost a lot of money on that deal. Went through a couple other smaller ventures. uh, Eventually got with a more prominent franchise brand. After doing a couple of small ventures by himself and not doing so well, he got with a pretty prominent franchise brand. Uh, What brand was that? What what category is that? Uh, We'll say say breakfast. Hmm. I guess it's breakfast. 
It's coffee. It's a coffee brand. Dunkin' Donuts. There you go. All right, <laughs> we, get, we gotta give Robbie at least one point here. He's kidding. I got me. a friend in Dunkin' Donuts too. <clears throat> oh really? Chris Brown, our kicker. He 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 uh, got into. It. I think he has like five or. Well, and, uh, Drew Brees. No need to ask the next question. Is Drew Brees in it? I think he's in uh, New Orleans, like that Louisiana place in, of Dunkin' Donuts. He's in some, yeah. Yeah, y'all stop pulling ahead on me here. He's got a couple of brands down there in Louisiana. Who? Drew. Drew? Yeah. Hey, Drew's coming up. I say Drew like I know I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know him. He was from Austin Westlake. Him and my brother were, were on the same Austin Westlake football team that won state championship. Oh, nice. I, think, I uh, tried to – we – I told – the AM coaches, I'm like, man, you guys should really. I was at AM. I'm like, you got, you got to recruit this kid. He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, you think, uh, just not tall enough. You think Drew's going to get him a Super Bowl this year? He might. I think he may be in it. He's, He's my, still they're my good. pick to be in it. So. All right, Steve, back to you. Roosevelt Colvin. Okay. Chicago Again? Bears. Can we New just England go over Patriots. him? Yeah, we just. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Smoothie yeah. King. UPS yep. store. No, UPS, yeah. My bad. Ding, ding, ding. Um, one for me, <laughs> another one for me. All right, Steve, over to you. Uh, this one's this one's pretty cool. Uh, so you guys know Jared Jerry Richardson? Yeah, you saw uh, the Panthers. Yeah, so Jerry Richardson uh, played for the NFL from '59 to like '69 in the mm-hmm. NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, following the season, Richards Richardson partnered with a franchise, a food concept. Oh, partnered with a food nice. concept, built it up to 220 of these stores. Sold that for eighty million dollars, which gave him the money to uh, be to open or to create the expansion team, the Carolina Panthers. Oh so built up a fast food restaurant chain mm. to two hundred and twenty stores, sold it, and then founded the Panthers off those two hundred and twenty stores. Man, I'm I'm blanking, <laughs> but I know. Is this for me? Mm-hmm. Okay, it was like one of those brands that's kind of up in the Northeast, like Bojangles, or it's a. Uh, it's got uh, it's got two different like Hardee's or Carl's yeah, Jr. or something like that. Maybe the first one you just said. Hardee's. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I knew it was one that's not real prominent here in Texas. Yeah, that's all I knew. Yeah. So so Jerry Richardson obviously took the advice of the NFL back in the day, got out, opened him a Hardee's, built it all the way up to two hundred and twenty Hardee's. Got eighty. Sold yeah. out for eighty million and bought a. NFL franchise. That's gotta, my. That's you gotta my increase new, that goal. <laughs> that's my new roadmap. When did the Panthers <laughs> come into the NFL? Like 2099, uh, something like that. Yep. Uh, oh, I didn't say it here. 98, maybe. All right, Robbie, one last question. Drew Brees just opened a new sandwich franchise. Which one was it? Jimmy John's. There you go. Jimmy John's. I had a tiebreaker here. Uh, Drew fell in love with this sandwich playing college football. Uh, what college did he attend? Purdue, wasn't it? Yep. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I was going to let Robbie take that one, just, just to see. Okay. Good job, I would have missed that. I got a mass amount of useless knowledge, That's but nothing great. over uh, Chinese football teams. You're not into Chinese football? <laughs> All right, guys. We have come to the end of Texas Franchise Radio for November. Steve McKinney, we can't thank you enough. Thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed it, man. For yeah, coming on the show. Fun really conversation. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you, one, for coming on the show. Thank you for everything you're doing for this community. I know that with uh, Veterans Entrepreneurs and Leaders, Vell Institute, you were mm-hmm. just awarded the Legacy Award, one, uh, yeah. of, one of two people that here. Was, in, that was a very big honor. I appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to that, and it was well-earned. You give so much back to the community. You've created a lot of jobs. Keep having those big goals and keep yeah. doing great things because you're, you're making a big difference, and we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. you guys, and good luck to you all as well. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Steve. Welcome to Texas Franchise Radio, where your hosts, Josh Cherry and Robbie Marlowe, bring you all things franchising in the Texas market. 
franchising is one of three growth strategies businesses can use to expand and capture market share. Effective when done right. But there's a lot to this dynamic business model. Learn from others in the industry as we bring on all levels of franchise operators and experts. Texas Franchise Radio. You ready? Let's go. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas Franchise Radio. Oh, you're in the business. Well, this is what you need. Repping Texas, they professionals up in the industry. What we talking about? We talking business models, investing franchises. We going full throttle. Learn about the industry. I know you got the questions. We're trying to help you grow and take it to the next level. Straight up. Franchise operators and the experts. It's time to tune in and expand your network. So let's see how it's all done and how it's operated in the local Texas market. Time to get us educated. Robbie and Josh going live. Time to hit the road. You tune in to Texas Franchise Radio. Get your business popping. Yeah, they came to let you know. You tune in to Texas Franchise Radio. Oh. 